Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, this is Newt. Due to the virus, I'm recording from home. So you may notice a difference in audio quality. On this episode of Newt's World, one of my personal heroines is Kay James. She has a quintessentially American life story. She grew up in poverty with a family on welfare, an abusive alcoholic father, but a loving mother, an extended family that helped raise her and encouraged her education. She is the embodiment of the great gift we were given by our founders and the values and principles that allow us all to overcome and rise up and live the American dream. She is a conservative because of her background. I'm pleased to welcome my guest, Kay James. As president of the Heritage Foundation, America's premier conservative think tank, Kay leads a team devoted to promoting America's core values. Kay has an extensive background in crafting public policy and leading in nearly every sector of America's economy. She's worked at the local, state, and federal levels of government under the administrations of former U.S. President George H.W. Bush, former Virginia Governor George Allen, and former U.S. President George W. Bush, and has also served dozens of organizations in the corporate and nonprofit arenas. Kay has a passion for serving the youth of America and substantial experience in the field of education. I am delighted to have somebody I've known and admired for many, many years join us today. Kay James, the president of the Heritage Foundation. I really wanted to talk with Kay about what the Heritage Foundation is doing now, 
how she sees the 2020 election and also how America's core values can help us overcome our current social unrest and build a better tomorrow for all Americans. But if you don't mind, Kay, and I know you don't always talk about this, would you chat first just about your life? You're one of my personal heroines, and I think that you have had such a remarkable life and have accomplished so many different things that I think people will find it inspirational just to listen to you. Newt, you know, I really didn't come to understand how quintessentially American my life story was until much later in life. I sort of took it for granted, but I think my love for this country and for all the hope that is America comes from that experience, literally, not figuratively, but literally being born on a kitchen table delivered by a nurse midwife because my mother couldn't afford to go to the hospital, coming out of almost every dysfunction that we know of, every pathology that exists in our urban areas today, from being raised in a home that sustained itself through the welfare system for dealing with an absent father who was struggling with the addiction to alcohol and because of his alcoholism was absent and when present abusive, given an opportunity to be educated because our family stuck together and my mother's sisters all pitched in because as you and I know, the family is the first Department of Health and Human Services. So I have experienced every hope that is America. I have had the privilege of seeing the dream come true. So when people point out the negatives about our country, I must admit that I'm a bit of a Pollyanna because what I see are not the negatives, but what I see is the great gift we were given by our founders in terms of our founding documents and our founding principles that allows us to overcome any flaw that we have. And we have them. We do have them. But if my life says anything to me, it says that this country gives us the framework for success. That plus a mother who taught us that we were survivors and not victims of anything, I think, Put the pieces in place for me to live the American dream and now to have the opportunity to go out and say to people that I'm not a conservative in spite of the fact that I was born to a welfare mom and experienced that entire welfare system. I'm a conservative because of my background. And for a lot of people, this is an academic exercise as we take our conservative values and messages to the American people and around the world. But to me, it's far more than just an intellectual exercise. To me, it's a matter of life or death. I know that the values and principles that you and I share in common, when implemented, we see human flourishing. We know that with the things that we believe, we can lift people out of poverty. We can close the education gap. We can provide access to health care. All the things that people say they desperately want and need. At this moment in my life, I have the opportunity to sit atop an organization 
that while I can tell the stories and they can provide the research, the data, and the analysis to prove that our conservative values work to change lives. I've seen it in my own personal life, and I've seen what it can do for our country. So I'm curious, though, because you've, you've had ups and downs in your life, and you've faced unique challenges you couldn't possibly have been prepared for until they happened. Whenever you started to get down or you started to give up, what was it that you drew upon? How did you sort of mobilize yourself to keep going forward? That's a great question, and it's a complex answer. The first thing that comes to mind, and it probably is the bedrock, I believe that I am as resilient as I am because of my faith. It informs who I am. It gives me the inspiration to go on and to continue. Faith matters. I used to say to audiences a while ago, particularly African-American audiences, that old black gospel hymn doesn't say we've come this far by government. (laughs) It says we've come this far by faith and leaning on the Lord. And so sometimes I think as we have become educated and sophisticated and thoughtful and intellectual, people discard the things that got them there. And so I have never rejected the basis that my mother gave me. She also told me from a very beginning that we are survivors, we are not victims. And I will never forget something that was said to me very early in life by one of my mentors, which is that the only difference between a successful person and a failure is the successful person gets up. And what he meant by that is we all get knocked down. We all have failures. There's not one of us who makes it through this life without that. But at the end of the day, you got to get up. In my head, I allow myself a certain amount of time to process failure, to learn from failure, but the one thing that I will never do is stay down. You may knock me down, but eventually I'm going to get back up. And I think I'm able to do that because of being grounded in faith, being grounded in a very, very strong and supportive family, and by leading a very balanced life, I do not take myself too seriously. I really don't. I have been able to accomplish what I've been able to accomplish because of a supportive family and because of always, always surrounding myself with excellent people. And one of the things I love about the work that I do at the Heritage Foundation is that I am surrounded by some of the most thoughtful, passionate, conservative minds I just have the privilege of leading, but I recognize that to keep going, you need to surround yourself with great people. I think one of my favorite lines we tried to teach members when we were trying to grow a majority was cheerful persistence. I learned that from one of my personal and many conservatives' personal heroes, Ronald Reagan, who was a cheerful warrior. At the end of the day, one of my favorite emotions is laughing through tears. Uh, I learned that watching one of my 
favorite movie, Steel Magnolias. So even when I'm down, even when there are those days that drive you to tears, learn to laugh. I think because my family has never taken me or my job too seriously, I can be fighting major, major battles in the public policy arena. But when I came home at night, all they wanted to know is, what are we doing for dinner? So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you have to remember the things that matter and the things that are important. And I heard someone say a long time ago, particularly as women, we juggle many balls, but it's always important to remember which ones are crystal and which ones are rubber. And the rubber balls will bounce if you drop them. The crystal balls will be very, very difficult to put back together again. Being a mother, being a grandmother, being a friend, those things really matter to me. Oh, I love that. I'm going to steal that one. That's just great. Well, I stole it from someone, but I just don't know who. (laughs) So one other broad question for a second, because you've had such a remarkable career. What is the biggest surprise to you in your time as president of Heritage? Wow. Biggest surprise. I guess my biggest surprise has been how difficult it is in this environment that we're in right now to articulate a conservative message in a compelling way and not be trashed by fellow conservatives for doing it. (laughs) So I discovered that we have in our movement, and we must learn as a movement, I believe, Newt, to recognize how important each of the elements are. Some folks are warriors, and they have sharp elbows, and they go out and they throw them, and we need that. Some people are, to use a biblical analogy, I talk about prophets, priests, and kings, and the prophets are the, thus saith the Lord, the sharp elbows. They go out there and they tell the story. And then there are those individuals who go out and win people to the movement with their winsome ways, compelling arguments. And I think we as conservatives need to be okay with doing more of that. Years and years ago, I've been saying this for 30 years now, I've watched and I will see a liberal go into a room full of people, be absolutely quiet and go from group to group to group to group and put together a strategy for how they're going to win each one of them. Now, some may call that pandering, some may call it strategic, but they sharpen and hone their messages to win them over. We as conservatives walk into that same room, go to the middle of the room, and declare the truth. Now, it is the truth. But having said that, if folks don't listen and they don't disengage from the conversation they're in, our strategy is to then say it louder. And if that doesn't work, then we will get on a soapbox and scream it even louder. And so I have spent a good portion of my life trying to figure out, I need to break through to you. I need you to understand. And so I like to take complex public policy and figure out how to articulate it to different audiences so that we can win them over. 
and I have found and been so surprised to see that in the conservative movement, we spend most of our time talking to our base, ginning them up, getting them excited, which we need to do, and far too little time focusing on how do we win more people to our side of the equation. And I think increasingly in the future, that's going to be even more important to do, because if we don't increase our numbers in culture, we will never increase our numbers at the polling booths. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You have written on the dangers of election fraud. Tell us from your perspective what your concerns are about the election this fall. Well, I am concerned, and I wrote a piece just recently with the intent 
of diffusing some of the arguments from the left because the strategy is, and I do believe this is a strategy, is to claim that anyone who is concerned about election integrity is actually only concerned about suppressing the vote. And so for that reason, I thought my voice on this issue might be particularly helpful because they also claim that the reason they want to suppress the vote is because they are racist and they want to diminish minority voting in this and all elections. The reality is that we as conservatives know that the right to vote is almost sacred. I tell the story of how I watch the Afghan people dip their fingers in ink and stand in long lines to have voter integrity. And those who suffered having their fingers cut off, who showed up at the next election to cast their vote, that we as Americans have somehow made the right to vote in this country something that we don't revere quite enough, I don't believe. I want election integrity, first of all, because I sincerely believe if you give me a platform in the marketplace of ideas, I can and will win. So I'm not afraid of the debate. I'm not afraid of suppressing minority votes because I believe I can win them. So I have no desire to suppress the vote. I want every American to vote. But every time that we actually go out and witness voter fraud, that is suppressing a vote. And that's suppressing a vote because someone made it to the polls through difficult circumstances in order to have their vote count, and voter fraud eliminates that vote. So voter fraud is what suppresses the vote, not voter integrity. So I want everybody to vote, and I want every vote to count, and I want the American people to have confidence in our system. And we just can't have confidence in our electoral process if, in fact, people are fearful that folks are out collecting votes and casting votes for people who died years and years ago, where votes are not found until months after an election and it's too late to have them count. I think that the vote is so important and so sacred that we need to make sure that every vote counts and that every American votes I don't want to suppress anybody's vote, and I have enough confidence in our ideas to believe that when we are in that marketplace, we can win. We don't need to suppress the vote. We can win the vote. You sort of made that point in an article you wrote for the Washington Times when you said Reagan's call for conservatism needs to be heard today, and I think you and I are both of a generation where we remember being galvanized in 1964 when he went on national TV and gave his great speech at Time for Choosing. Don't you find that these issues are sort of timeless? (laughs) As a matter of fact, I've written a piece, I haven't published it yet, where I actually take Reagan's speech, A Time for Choosing, which I actually taught in graduate school because I thought that speech was so profound, 
and looked at how you could give that exact same speech today, but with different numbers. So I changed the numbers and updated it. But the issues are timeless and they are real. I think when Reagan gave the speech, we were in a slightly different place, Newt. I think when Reagan gave the speech, it was a time for choosing which way we might want to go as a nation, a time for choosing a liberal over a conservative. I think that right now, and I do not believe this is an overstatement, that what we're choosing in this coming election is do we survive as a democracy, a republic that we were given by our founders? Do we survive as the America that we know so much will change. It's important for people to look at what's the agenda? What are they not talking about in the campaign season, but have said if elected, they will do? They have said as liberals, we want to change the structure of the Supreme Court and actually pack the court. They have said that we want to get rid of the Electoral College. They have said we want to defund the police. They have said that the things that we know of and recognize as the bedrock of this country, they want to change. I never thought that I would have to actually write a piece to defend the Constitution. Yes, Heritage has written many great documents that explain the Constitution, that explain each of its segments and why they are important. We've actually got to go back and say why the Constitution matters. I was actually challenged by a college student that said, I don't understand why you conservatives cling so much to the Constitution and why you want to be originalist. He didn't use the term originalist, but that's what he meant. Why do you believe in being a strict constructionist? That doesn't make sense. Why do you believe in every word of the Constitution? And so I believe that we actually have to go back and explain that because we have a whole generation that was not given any civics education. And as a result of that, we see our founding principles eroding in this country. And that's why this is a time of choosing. Do you choose the Constitution or not? Do you choose the Electoral College or not? Do you choose the Supreme Court or not? Do you choose the safety and protection in our communities that the police bring or not? We will be looking at a very, very different America if our conservative values and principles don't succeed. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening.
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. How much are you worried by the Gallup poll report that Last year, 43% of Americans said socialism would be a good thing for the country compared to 25% back in 1942. Not as worried as some, but the reason I am not as worried as some is because if you drill down in that poll and ask people what is socialism, they don't know. They have a foggy idea that it just means the government helping people. And who could be against that? So I think we have to sharpen those images and help people to understand what socialism is. Because I believe that as we do that, and as we show those images, you're going to see us really stepping up at the Heritage Foundation in the public arena to draw those distinctions. Nowhere on the planet where socialism has been tried has it succeeded. And it will hurt the very people that they claim to want to help. There's a certain group of people that we will never win. The people who bring chaos to the streets, the people who are anarchists, the Antifa crowd, we will never win them. But there's a whole other group of Americans who are compassionate people who want to help, and that rhetoric sounds good to them. And what I'm trying to get the conservative movement to understand is we need to go to them and explain to them why we are experiencing the unintended consequences of their misguided compassion. They don't understand, Newt, and I think we've got to do a better job of explaining. Well, you know, you mentioned briefly Antifa and Black Lives Matter and that whole rise. Why has it been so hard for us to get across, particularly in the case of Antifa? There's no question that it's a terrorist organization totally dedicated to using violence 
to bring down the United States. Why has that been such a hard thing to drive home? Well, I think it's because we're not getting very much help from people who are a little to the left of center in managing and corralling their own. I would like to see some leadership within the Democrat Party step up and say, that's not who we are. They won't condemn that. It's not enough for us as conservatives to condemn it. As a matter of fact, the concern that I have is not only will they not condemn it, but they are, for the benefit and the purposes of winning elections, embracing it. And I think until good Americans on both sides of the political divide and the ideological divide, until we both condemn those elements within our own ranks, we need to condemn, and I think we do on the conservative side. We are not hesitant at all to say that white supremacists and nationalists who preach hate Those individuals we will not tolerate. They are not a part of our movement. And we say it without being embarrassed or ashamed to say it. I need the folks on the left to do the same thing. One of the things that Heritage was a real pioneer, and I know because I was there at the time, was the development of school choice for parents and children and the idea that nobody should be trapped in a bad school. And it strikes me that the whole teachers' union response to COVID has increased the desirability of parents having the right to choose. I did some research for this, and it turned out that back in 2000, there were only four school choice programs in the U.S. Today, there are 63 programs supporting private school choice in 29 states in the District of Columbia. There are 26 voucher programs in 15 states, and there are 23 tax credit scholarship programs in 18 states and five education savings account programs. I know you've been involved in this for years. How do you see the growth and the evolution of the whole notion of parental choice for their children to have the best possible school? Well, first of all, you know my nature is to always make lemonade when handed a sack of lemons. That's just who I am. That's what I do. I have said to parents and to conservative leaders, right now, in the midst of this horrible pandemic, seize the moment because more parents than ever are struggling with how to educate their kids. And this is an opportunity for us to explain to them why school choice matters. First of all, for all the people who have been complaining for years, our kids are not getting civics education. They're at home now. There are several courses online. This is the opportunity. Carpe diem. Seize the moment. I would also say that we should not miss this opportunity because for the first time, many parents who've never thought about alternative educational opportunities are now thinking about them and trying to figure them out. So we should step up and present them with alternatives and the resources. And at Heritage, we're trying to do exactly that. I think that we have more of an audience to make our case than we've ever had before. And we also recognize that there are so many school districts which just were not prepared for this. And our kids' education has suffered as a result of it. 
the whole issue of teachers' unions, they told us a long time ago that they were there to represent teachers, not students. We have to be the advocates for the kid in the classroom. And I did an experiment once with a group of African-American college students who were mostly all liberal. I put a picture up of a poor black kid and said, get rid of all your talking points. Your job is to advocate for that child. And I gave them materials from across the board. I didn't hold anything back. Teachers, unions, Heritage Foundation, education choice groups, everything. And I said, I want you to spend the entire afternoon and come back with a plan for that kid. Don't talk to me about unions. Don't talk to me about school administration. Tell me how you're going to educate that child. And Newt, they came back later in the afternoon, and they came up with ideas that were to the right of anything you or I would suggest. (laughs) Because when you advocate for that child and you get rid of the notion that somehow schools are in place for administrators and teachers and you remember who the client is, that's when you come up with great policy. I think that's exactly right, and I think it's tremendous. You have been deeply involved in the National Coronavirus Recovery Commission, which brought together experts to look at where we go from here. What's your sense of this commission and To what degree are you confident that we will move forward? First of all, I'm extremely confident that we will move forward. I have said to anyone who would listen that this particular issue and how we handle it as a nation is more of an election issue than Joe Biden and anything he has to say. We believe sincerely, deeply that we've got to do both things. It's not either or. We must protect the health and safety of American citizens, and we must get our economy going again. And I refuse to let anyone turn that into some sort of a dichotomy where you have to pick. You don't have to pick. And so what that means is that we as Americans have got to figure out the safest way to get back the economy and get it going again. We know that We must protect lives and livelihoods, and you can. We laid out a blueprint for how to do that, but it's going to require something out of each and every one of us. Some of us who don't want to wear masks may have to. We've got people who believe the whole thing is a hoax. We've got to convince them, no, this is a serious pandemic and it must be taken seriously. And we've got to convince people that we can open our schools, our businesses, And we can do it safely, so let's get that done. I think when the American people realize that it's not either or, we must do both, and we will rise to the occasion and do that. I have been so, so encouraged by how the private sector has stepped up for this, what our drug companies are doing with trying to get a vaccine done what some of our retailers and how they responded to keep the supply chain going during this pandemic has been extraordinary. I have been surprised at some of our federal government agencies and how they have used every resource. There's an untold story that I tried to tell in our final report of how even the Department of Energy used its supercomputers to come up with data 
that can help solve this crisis. So there was no area of our government that the president didn't marshal to address this. He really did do a phenomenal job. What the American people need to understand and what we haven't done a good job of, I believe, is explaining what it means to be in the fog of war, why we called it the novel coronavirus from the beginning. Yes, we got one set of instructions one week, and then we changed two weeks later. Why? Because we learned things. We knew things. And so we've got to explain. I want to see the president go to a microphone and say, look, what I say to you today is based on the knowledge, the information, the science that we have today. As we gain information, that may change, and I will come back here and tell you that in that moment. But you need to trust that every single day we wake up and we're trying to figure out how to defeat this virus and how to get America open again. But we have to show grace to our leaders, even to our scientists who change their analysis as they learned more. And that's okay. It's okay. We were learning as we go. We have to use the lessons that we learned, correct some of our systems, and put those things in place because we don't need to make the same mistake twice. I want to thank you for what is literally a lifetime of public service and public leadership. Ah. And I want to thank you for this conversation, which I think people will find fascinating. And on another occasion, I hope we can have you come back and just talk through your biography, which is in and of itself an extraordinary tribute both to you as a person and to America as a system that's open to talent and hard work. So thank you, Kay, for being with us. Oh, Newt, thank you. And thank you for the role that you personally have played in my life over these years as a person that I can share thoughts and ideas and think through things with. You really are a true thought leader. And now I'll answer your questions. Brenda M. from Minnesota writes, we are Trump all the way. I don't understand how mail-in votes can steal the election. Can you explain? Well, the reality is that traditional mail-in votes where you vote absentee is not a threat because we know who you are. You write in, you're a registered voter. You get one ballot, which goes to you you vote and send it back in. The whole thing is controlled and we know who actually voted. The danger is when you have this huge system of just mailing out ballots to people who never asked for them. In Nevada, for example, they asked the post office, wrote a letter to the legislature and said, if we do what you want, there are 200,000 names that are not living in Nevada that at one time or another were on our rolls. So we'll be sending out 200,000 extra ballots to people who don't exist. And then what happens is they sit at a apartment house or they sit in a nursing home and somebody comes along and collects them and suddenly somebody might vote 30 times. That's why we worry about a bulk mail ballot as opposed to an absentee ballot. It's a great question, Brenda. Thank you. Thank you to my guest, Kay James. You can read more about her life and leadership at the Heritage Foundation on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced 
by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers, and our producer is Garnsey Islam. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. Please email me with your questions at gingrich360.com slash questions. I'll answer a selection of them in future episodes. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. On the next episode of Newt's World, I'm pleased to welcome my guest, Peter Schweitzer, to discuss his documentary film, Riding the Dragon, The Biden's Chinese Secrets. It's an extraordinary film that clearly lays out how Joe Biden may have helped his son, Hunter Biden, secure lucrative business deals with the Chinese. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American. Race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network.